Hello and welcome to this fantastic tour of Shrewsbury Library with the wonderful Stan Sedman. Stan is the master of tours in Shrewsbury, so we're very privileged to have sampled his voice on this tour today. So as Stan does eventually take you into the library building and takes you upstairs, as you go in through the library, um, you go in and you turn right and there is a staircase that leads upstairs um, to the, the rooms up there which Stan will guide you through. If you ask a member of staff, they will guide you up there and um, they will show you where you need to be. I hope you enjoy this tour. It's very, very good. Spend a bit of time um, in the old schoolroom upstairs, look at the graffiti uh, and, and really get a sense of, your, of, of where you are and who could have written that graffiti. Um, and also there's some great views of the castle um, from up there as well. Um, so please enjoy this tour and I, I will catch you guys at the end. Okay, we now stand in front of the library which was from 1552 to 1882, the site of Shrewsbury School. The oldest part of the building is Riggs Hall, which we'll see shortly, which is early 15th century and stands on what was part of the old town walls. And this building, together with some others now gone, formed the first school complex. Shrewsbury School was founded under a charter granted by Edward VI as Libera Scholar Grammaticalis Regis Edwardi Sexti, with the endowment from tithes previously paid to St Mary's and St Chad's churches. Early records are vague, and the first recognised headmaster was Thomas Ashton, a fellow of St John's Cambridge, who was responsible for guiding the school through its early days, gaining a wide reputation and increasing the register from 266 to 663 in 10 years. He was the man also credited with producing the Whitsuntide plays in the quarry. By the late 16th century, it was obvious that the school buildings were unsatisfactory and work began on the building now here from 1594 to 1630. Above the arch are the arms of Charles I, and below are two figures. One on the left is Philomathes, a student. The other, Polymathes, a scholar. And between them, a quotation from Isocrates, which translates, if you are a lover of learning, you will become very learned. A very true statement. The school moved from here, <coughs> this site, to Kingsland in 1882, and these buildings then became the school, the town library and museum, eventually becoming purely a library with first-class facilities and a great staff, which was particularly evident during the COVID lockdown when they operated an order and collect service. In 1980-83, these buildings underwent an extensive restoration, costing in excess of three million pounds. The work was sympathetically carried out and the interior of the building is well worth viewing, particularly Riggs Hall. The top schoolroom with its record of pupils' names carved in the panelling and the top library with its beautiful ceiling. When Charles Darwin's mother died, he'd been, up to then he'd been educated at home and he spent a year at a Unitarian minister's school 
at 13 Claremont Hill. But he attended here from 1818 until 1825 when he left to enter Edinburgh University. In his autobiography, Charles wrote, Nothing could have been worse for the development of mind than Dr Butler's school, as it was strictly classical, <clears throat> nothing else being taught except a little geography and history. The school, as a means of education to me, was simply a blank. Also, when I left the school, I was for my age neither high or low in it, and I believe that I was considered by all my masters and by my father as a very ordinary boy, rather below the common standard in intellect. I have heard my father and elder sisters say that I had, as a very young boy, a strong taste for long solitary walks, but what I thought about I know not. I often became quite absorbed, and once when returned to school on the summit of the old fortifications round Shrewsbury, which had been converted into a public footpath with no parapet on one side, I walked off and fell to the ground, but the height was only seven or eight feet. Nevertheless, the number of thoughts which passed through my mind during this short but very sudden and wholly unexpected fall was astonishing and seemed hardly compatible with what psychologists approved about each thought requiring quite an appreciable amount of time. I must have been a very simple fellow when I first went to school. A boy by the name of Garnet took me into a cake shop one day and bought some cakes for which he did not pay as the shopkeeper trusted him. When I came out, I asked him why he did not pay for them and he instantly answered, why do you not know that my uncle left a great sum of money to the town on condition that every tradesman should give whatever to anyone who wore his old hat and moved in a particular manner. He then went into another shop where he was trusted and asked for some small article, moving his hat in the proper manner and of course obtained it without payment. When he came out he said, now if you like to go in by yourself into that cake shop I will lend you my hat and you can get whatever you like if you move the hat on your head properly. I gladly accepted the generous offer and went in and asked for some cakes moved the old hat and was walking out the shop when the shopman made a rush at me. So I dropped the cakes and ran away for dear life. I was astonished by being greeted with shouts of laughter by my false friend, Garnet. We'll now move forward and look at the place where he boarded when he was at school. We've now moved to the side of the building and we're in school gardens, but we're looking at the building known as Bromish Hall. This was the boarding house where Darwin stayed during his time at the school, although at the slight excuse he would run home to the mount. He wrote, as the distance was hardly more than a mile to my home, I very often ran there in the longer intervals between calling over and before looking up at night. This I think was in many ways advantageous to me by keeping up home affections and interests. I remember in the early part of my school life that I often had to run very quickly to be in time and from being a fleet runner was generally successful. But when in doubt, I prayed earnestly to God to help me and I well remember that I attributed my success to the prayers and not my quick running. 
and marvelled how generally I was aided. It was known as Bromley Hall after the matron, Mother Bromfield, who had been nurse to Dr Butler, the headmaster's children. Record is made of her coiner of words, such as when she told one noisy scholar that he was the rampagest, scampagest, rackety-tackety, toro, roariness boy in the house. About 20, slept, 20 boys slept in one boy dormitory in be damp beds and with poor food. It said that SB above the gate on the left stood for stale bread and sour beer. On one occasion, when Charles returned to the school after a bout of scarlet fever, Dr Darwin wrote to Dr Butler respecting an extra blanket, but received a rather curt reply back with the answer no. Right, we've come through the archway, we walked through the archway towards the library, and in front of us are the timber frame building of Riggs Hall. And this was the hall which was the original Shrewsbury School in 1552. As you will see, it has been extensively restored, but very well restored. And later on, we will see the, one of the uh, eaves where there's been some carvings. It's now part of Shrewsbury Town Council offices, and another part is still inside the library for people to sit and read. OK, we've come up the stair, winding staircase, into what is known as Top School. Look at the beautiful roof, the woodwork and the timber of the roof. At the far end are our pictures on the wall of what it looked like when it was a schoolroom. And it would have been warmed by a single stove in the middle with the students sitting around. Darwin was taught in here by Samuel Butler. But the interesting thing about this room is the panelling on the walls where people of students over the years have carved their names. And there's some interesting names which go back through Shrewsbury's history uh, of the children of the important people of the town. If you can find a Darwin inscription, it's worth a fortune. But we've looked and looked and looked and we cannot find it. But it would have been a rather stark room to be taught in. We're now at the top of the building, which would have been the original school library. The windows at either end have been extended over the years. But the particular beauty of this room is the roof, which when the building was restored, was beautifully uh, done, and it contains the shields of trustees and people involved with the original school when this building was built. If we look out of the window, we can see a good shot of Riggs Hall, and on the right-hand side is the, the end of the building, which is sitting on top of the old town wall. Beautifully carved, some of it original, going back to the original 15th century, but some interesting additions were done when they came in, and at the peak of the gable, you will see a face and that is supposed to be the face of the carpenter that actually carved the new carvings in the building. Beautifully restored, beautifully linked together, and we're very, very lucky to have this sort of building. As we move downstairs below what was the old library, we're now in part of the library, which was originally the chapel of the school. And if you ever have the chance to go into the school 
chapel up in Kingsland, you will see a lot of the furniture that was in here. The beauty about the way the library is today, as we said earlier on in the top school, they have phot photographs of when it was part of Shrewsbury School. So you can stand in a room, look at a photograph, and actually imagine what it was like when there was boys milling around. Just at the entrance to the, uh, the library, you'll see three lead cisterns, which would have been the water cisterns from inside houses, Georgian houses. And one in particular has got the date 1737 on it. These are listed as grade two, the library, by the way, is Grade 1 listed, but these are listed as Grade 2, but they're used by the town council to display their spring flowers and beautify the entrance up. In front of the school, in recognition of the fact that Charles Darwin went to school here, is this statue. It was unveiled on the Tuesday the 10th of August 1897 by Lord Kenyon of Prado, followed by lunch at the music hall. Lunch cost three shillings and sixpence. Not a bad cost. The statue itself cost 1,086 pound, nine shillings and threepence, and was paid for by the Shropshire Horticultural Society after the lack of public subscriptions. The sculptor was Horace Mountford, local man, at his works in St. John's Hill, and cast by Messrs Broad and Son of London. The hands are the model of Professor George Darwin, Charles's second son, with the sides embellished with ornamental work suggesting Darwin's studies. On the chair sides are ferns, coral, barnacles and orchids, and by his feet are a number of his books. He's obviously mostly recognised for the one book, but he was a real good searcher and he did research into various things. He did a lot of work in the research of worms in the ground, producing it for the benefit of horticulturalists. He was himself very keen on the country and he spent a lot of time in going out to his uncle's place at Mare in Staffordshire and at the Wedgwood Estate and at Redknoll. He wrote, the autumns were devoted to shooting, chiefly at Mr Owen's at Woodhouse and at my Uncle Joe's at Mare. My zeal was so great that I used to place my shooting boots open by my bedside when I went to bed, so as not to lose half a minute in putting them on in the morning. On one occasion I reached a distant part of the Mare Estate on 20th of August for black game shooting before I could see. I kept an exact record of every bird which I shot throughout the whole season. How well I remember killing my first snipe and my excitement was so great that I had difficulty in reloading my gun from trembling hands. When he was at school and he used to go home, he used to do experiments with his brother Erasmus in a garden shed at the Mount and he used chemical experiments and various things. When the headmaster, Samuel Butler, found this out, he called him Poco Corante, which translated means who, one who believes in insignificant things. 
because he was interested in anything but the geography, the history and the classics he was taught at this school. As we walk away from the school and we come to the steps down into Castle Street, on either side is a wall. This is not the original wall that surrounded the school. That was removed when the school moved from here to Kingsland in 1882. And to celebrate the 50th anniversary, the Prince of Wales, who became Edward VIII, actually came to Shrewsbury, visited the school and opened the new wall that was placed at Shrewsbury School. And it is worth seeing because on that is an honours board, which is all the names of people who were at the school. And once at the school, it's worth looking at the Darwin statue, which is the young Darwin in front of the school main building, which was created by Gemma Pearson, a local art artist, showing him on the Gallipolis Islands with the finches and the iguanas. And that was in 2000 as the man of the century. So there we have our fantastic tour of Shrewsbury Library with the amazing Stan Sedman. Um, if you've ever been on one of his tours, you'll understand um, Stan is the absolute man when it comes to um, tours in Shrewsbury. If you do ever get the opportunity to get a tour around um, Shrewsbury School, uh, where, where the, the school is situated now, I would absolutely recommend it, but please do not take it upon yourself to just walk into a, the school with a camera. It is a school. Uh, and if you're seen walking around the, the grounds of a camera, you will be escorted off very quickly. So please make sure you get permission to go on a tour there. Absolutely worth it, though. Thank you for taking this tour. We do have many more. Um, so if you are looking for the next tour, the, the nearest one to you, I would say, is Grope Lane. So take a walk up to Grope Lane um, and uh, take a look at that. Oh, we have also have tours of Wild Cop, Abbey Fourgate and the Unitarian Church. <laughs>